understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario. On this week's episode, we look at some of the results from Ontario Wrestling, including Destiny Wrestling, Crossbody Pro Wrestling, and also Border Town. We'll look at the upcoming events happening for Smash Wrestling with four cards this month, including two right here in London. It's a mixture of happy news and sad news from Ontario with Josh Alexander, Lufisto, and Cody Diener. And of course, we'll look back at everything that happened this week on Raw and SmackDown with some shakeups happening backstage in WWE, which might have had a lot of influence on this week's television and episodes going forward. Plus, of course, wrestling news to end our show. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends whether they listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or any other platform that they get their daily or weekly podcasts from. And also be sure to check out our Facebook page, where you can take part in our daily poll to determine the Ontario Indie Wrestling March Madness Tournament winner. I'll be right back after this short message. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, Vagrancy Films, The Grimm Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. 
It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes. And you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. After a very quiet February, after Brace for Impact here in London, Smash Wrestling returns with four shows in the month of March, and two of them are right here in London. Let's look at what's coming up with Smash Wrestling in the month of March. Next Friday, March 8th, Smash Wrestling and the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory present Welcome to the Proving Ground at Fanshawe College at Farwell Hall. It's the opportunity for the students of the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory to show what they have, and they've been challenged to choose their opponents and meet them on the Proving Ground. You can get your tickets either through Fanshawe Student Union or through your favorite Smash Wrestling and Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory star. I plan on being there and doing some more interviews for this podcast, including new talent such as Nova and Shiloh, plus maybe even able to check in on some of the talent that we've already checked out and see how things have gone over the nine months since we last talked to them. On this night, we're definitely going to see people like Fireball, Jordan James, Alec Realm, Kyle Boone, Pharaoh Bowman, Jim Strider, Josh Pine, Chris Mitchells, Violet Lee, and the aforementioned Nova and Shiloh, plus many more of the students of the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory. So that's next Friday at Fanshawe College. Then, the very next night, on March 9th, Smash Wrestling returns to the Taste of the Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario for The Spirit Within. After the brawl that took place between the Pillars and Killscreen at Brace for Impact, two members of each faction will go toe-to-toe at the Taste of the Tannery after losing the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Championships at the Brace for Impact event to Halal Beefcake, Brent Banks, and Tyson Dukes look to take out their frustrations on Anthony Gaines and Mark Wheeler. Then, the rivalry between the Pillars and Killscreen continues as Sebastian Suave and Scotty O'Shea find their paths crossing in Kitchener. Inserted into the fray is a man who impressed Smash Wrestling management against Killscreen the last time 
they rolled into Kitchener, Joey Allen. Momentum is everything in pro wrestling, and all three men have an opportunity to earn it in this match. And in a match that was originally scheduled to take place the last time Smash rolled through the Tannery Event Center in Kitchener, Kevin Bennett and Mike Rollins will finally meet one-on-one. The last time their paths crossed, Rollins inserted himself into one of Bennett's rap videos. Does Psycho Mike have more mind games in store, or did his conscience make him do it? In a match that will undoubtedly be looked back on years from now as a historic moment in Smash Wrestling, we'll see the debut of Nova. The standout at the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory in London, Nova is aiming to go straight to the top as she takes on Jody Threat. Threat has made her name for herself since joining Smash Wrestling roster and welcomes the challenge of a highly touted newcomer. As it wasn't that long ago, she herself found herself in that same position. After losing due to female distraction the last time he was in Kitchener, the muscle appears to have found himself a new number one hottie in Violet Lee. He finds himself across the ring from a man who is not in the mood for his shenanigans, however. John Greed views the muscle as a disgrace to pro wrestling, and he will treat him as such at the Taste of the Tannery Event Center. The new Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, are set to defend their titles against Wrestling Factory graduates Alec Realm and Jordan James. The Wrestling Factory will look to extract a little revenge after Halal Beefcake took the titles away from their trainer, Tyson Dukes, and his partner, Brent Banks, in a match marred in controversy back at Bryce for Impact. Can the new kids on the block make history in Kitchener? And finally, the main event for the evening sees Tarek set to defend the Smash Wrestling Championship against Super K. Super K impressed management with his performance alongside fellow PWA roster members the last time Smash Wrestling rolled into town. He's been awarded with the opportunity of a lifetime as it goes down in Kitchener at the Tannery Event Center. On Saturday, March 9th, you can get your tickets by going to smash-wrestling.com. On Sunday, March 24th, Smash Wrestling returns to the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto for Tell All Your Friends. In November 2017, Smash Wrestling needed an opponent for Mike Bailey. The man they called Cage reached out. These two had never fought in a singles match, and they both wanted to make it happen in Toronto. Sadly, it didn't work out in such short notice. Not all bad, since it became Bailey versus Matt Riddle, but Smash Wrestling didn't stop talking, and these two still haven't had that match. They will on March 24th as Brian Cage takes on speedball Mike Bailey. All in the spirit of competition, Brent Banks requested a championship match against Tarek, and the match has been signed. And you'll see two members of the Pillars go one-on-one for the Smash Wrestling Championship. Good luck keeping up with this next match, as triple threat tag team action is becoming a specialty in Smash Wrestling, and these guys are looking to get in on those conversations themselves. The Renegades come to Smash Wrestling along with TDT returning and Killscreen to show everybody what they have. Killscreen will be represented by Hacker and Gaines. Then we'll also see Jody Threat take on Veda Scott. 
after the challenge that was laid out by Sebastian Suave, it's been accepted, and he will take on former Smash Wrestling champion Matt Cross. And Tyson Dukes will be the next pillar to step up to face against Jay Freddy. There will also be an appearance by The Butcher and The Blade. Plus, Smash Wrestling will now be looking for a new opponent and announcing one soon for Jordan Grace, as Lufisto has had to pull out of this scheduled bout. And finally, Smash Wrestling ends the month of March with their show on March 31st, right here in London, at the London Music Hall, called Louder Now. Speedball Mike Bailey comes to London, and he'll take on the remix, Kevin Bennett. After the fallout from the Tarek and Scotty O'Shea match at Race for Impact, we'll see the Pillars take on Killscreen in 4-on-4 action. The Renegades are coming to Smash Wrestling, and they're going to go against TDT. London is developing the next crop of great female wrestlers, and on March 31st, they're putting them to the test as they all step into the ring against Jody Threat. You'll see Nova, Violet Lee, Shiloh, and Jody all go on against each other in a fatal four-way match. Carter Mason will go one-on-one against John Greed. There will also be an appearance by the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions Halal Beefcake plus The Butcher and Blade will be in action. Tickets for all these events can be obtained by going to smash-wrestling.com. And this has been your Smash Wrestling calendar for the month of March. This show to all the fans of the Buffalo Brothers, Daniel Garcia, Puff, Kevin Blackwood, and the remix Kevin Bennett. As you all know, in early January, they were on their way home from an FLQ show in Quebec, and just before they got home, they hit some ice on a bridge and spun out, causing a horrific car crash. Thankfully, we've already seen the likes of Puff and Kevin Bennett make their way back to the wrestling ring. We're still waiting on Kevin Blackwood and Daniel Garcia to do so as well. However, it's a longer road for them to recover, and expenses are piling up. Initially, there were some GoFundMe pages created for them, and a lot of fans donated, and it is greatly appreciated. However, since then, not much has been said, but for the month of March, we're going to continue giving back to the Buffalo Brothers with our draw for the autographed t-shirt, Scumbags Wrestling Podcast logo that was signed by the ladies of the Canusa Classic in October when they were here for Comic-Con, plus... For the month of March, I'm throwing in another offer that if you buy a Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt, whether it's our original logo or our podcast shirt from Twisted Tees, I will be donating my profit from that also to the Buffalo Brothers Recovery Fund. So all month of March, you can give back to these guys and help them get back on their feet and back into the wrestling ring. Tickets for the draw are 3 for $5 or 10 for 10 I accept e-transfers for your payment for tickets and will be doing the draw just before the WWE Hall of Fame on April 6th. And for t-shirts, they're just $25 and you can 
order them either directly through Twisted Tees or through me, and we'll get them ordered in time for April. Help support the Buffalo Brothers as they recover and return to the ring. In some Ontario wrestling news, Josh Alexander was recently presented with a three-year deal by Scott Demore to be part of Impact Wrestling. It happened at the end of the Destiny Wrestling event last weekend in Mississauga. At the end of the night, Josh Alexander was brought back into the ring and was complimented by, by Scott Demore and was then presented with the contract. As with other Impact Wrestling contracts, Alexander will still be able to take some independent bookings. Then, unfortunately, we have some disappointing news coming out from Lufisto. She wrote earlier this week, I knew this moment would come eventually. That's a long one, so please bear with me. I didn't think I would write all this tonight, but here we are. So last week, I fell down the stairs and sprained my right knee. It was definitely nothing major when you think about it, as I have seen a lot worse in the past 22 years. However, I didn't expect that this little injury would reveal a bigger problem. In the past years, the same knee felt weird and sometimes weak, but nothing alarming. I ignored aches and pains. Such behavior comes with being a professional wrestler from my generation. Yes, it makes me sound old. Well, I just turned 39, but back in my days, when you were injured, you didn't talk about it. Being the only girl around and wrestling the boys, it was even worse. I just couldn't mention anything about being in pain. If I did, you can be sure I would hear things such as, Just a girl. She doesn't belong. Look at this weak moron, or what a pussy. So when I hurt my knee back in 2002, I got cleaned up and went back in the ring only two months after the surgery. I had no time to wait a year to reconstruct everything. I couldn't say I was hurt and I wanted to prove wrong everyone who doubted me and laughed at me for wanting to be an equal to my male colleagues. Courageous or stupid? Today, I would say the latter. Different times, I guess. Truth is, that I've been, been wrestling with an empty knee since then. No ACL, MCL, or meniscus, just bone. So you can only imagine what was going on in there. Looking back, I have to admit that somewhere deep inside, I knew I was on borrowed time. It just lasted a lot longer than anyone could have predicted. When the orthopedist looked at my x-ray this past Monday, there were no breaks. I didn't look good. There was so much arthritis, or another name for osteoarthritis. What it means is that because of the extreme wear and tear, my cartilage is deteriorating. The joint looks like an 80-year-old knee. Things could get a lot worse if I don't do anything about it. One thing is for sure, though, I will need a full knee replacement before I'm 50. Way sooner if I keep going the way I do. It could also affect my ability to walk and perform regular day-to-day -day activities. And it hurts. It's been hurting for a while. 
A part of me has always hoped that the sweat, blood, scars, and thousands of tears would pay off. So as fighting through the pain. You can make bad decisions for a dream sometimes. The pursuit of the dream has always messed with my head and my heart. Storylines and promos about me being bitter and that I was always complaining, even if I knew it was just for the show, or interview questions on why I didn't make it started to be way too heavy on me. Even if it was part of the character, mainly my heel persona, I've never been comfortable with the concept that this hurt me so bad shows you how messed up my mental state is. Why? Because it couldn't be more far from the truth. I love wrestling. I love it so much that I fought tooth and nail for respect. I got beat, stretched, called an asshole, and or big head because I wanted women to be seen as equal and no, being a manager or valet wasn't enough for me. I wanted to be a wrestler. That's all I ever wanted to be. I'm not bitter. I'm heartbroken. Heartbroken that I didn't prove wrong all those people who were telling me that I was wasting my time, that I was a loser, that I wouldn't go anywhere. Today, I feel like they've won. I'm grateful for every single opportunity and for all the promoters who let me step into their ring. However, I have the emptiness that there is something missing because I didn't reach my goal of joining one of the major promotions. No matter how hard I try, it just won't go away. I am oversensitive and weak. I'm so tired all the time. I feel like I've been buried alive. I'm there, but I'm gasping for air. Therefore, because my body tells me I can't go on, because my soul is filled with darkness, because my heart is so heavy that there is no more beauty in anything, I decided that 2019 would be the last year of Lufisto. I've canceled many bookings already and might cancel more. There are a few places I would love to wrestle at least one more time, opponents that are special to me that I want to share the squared circle with one last time. I've already started to sell my gear, so if there is anything any of you would like to get as a souvenir, please let me know. I haven't decided when and where it'll all end, or against whom. That is something I shall work on the next few weeks. 39 might be old for wrestling, but there can be many years of happiness ahead if I dedicate myself to something else, find a new passion, or rediscover one from the past. I let go so I, as a simple human being, I can smile once again and accept the things I cannot change and control. I'll leave you all on a quote that explains it all for me. Letting go doesn't mean giving up, but accepting that there are things that cannot be. Forever grateful for your love and support. I thank you. Lufisto. Personally, as a fan, I'd like to thank Lufisto for everything she's contributed to Wrestling World. I had the pleasure of driving her and uh, during Grace during London Comic Con this past October. And just the little bit of time that it was between driving from the Western Fair to the hotel and picking up and doing the same drive back. It was a really enjoyable ride and good conversation had. And I wish her all the success in her next phase of life.
And there was also a message from Cody Diener involving his giver for charity. He wrote, I'm very excited to share this. Last year, I started the Giver for Charity campaign and was able to raise thousands of dollars for a variety of amazing Canadian charities that have a unique connection to my wrestling career and my fans in some way. I plan to expand the campaign this year in some new and exciting ways and to double down on some charities that I was so happy to partner with last year. One of those charities is the Lounsdown Children's Center and their Every Kid Counts program. Last year, me and my buddy Reagan helped raise money to bring awareness to this amazing foundation who helps children with autism and special needs get involved in their communities in special ways. I'm happy to announce that it will once again raise money for this great organization this year. Throughout the month of March, April, and May, I will again be selling my Rednet Renegade caricatures and give 100% of proceeds to the foundation. But, not only that, I will be selling and giving 100% of the sales of the brand new Giver for Charity t-shirt to Lansdown. A very special thanks to Aiden Prince for this amazing shirt design. Those who have been following my story know exactly why this design is so special. If you don't, feel free to ask. I hope to see you all at a upcoming events supporting the amazing people we'll be raising money for this year. And here's hoping we can build an army of Garrett for Charity followers repping these new t-shirts. Sincerely, Cody Diener. So be sure to stop by the merch table anytime you see Cody Diener at a local indie show and help him with his Gear for Charity events by either buying a caricature or one of his t-shirts. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Hey wrestling fans, we're back. And here's some more independent wrestling results from last weekend here in Ontario. Our good friend James Weber sent in results from last weekend's Destiny Wrestling and Backdraft Wrestling as they presented The Ritual in Mississauga at the Don Kozlov Arena at Battle Arts. Before the beginning of the show, OVE was in the crowd trying to get some support for their team. First match was a blood ritual match featuring G. Raver and Channing Decker. The crowd started chanting, He's Hardcore for Decker. Decker did a somersault with a chair off the top rope onto Raver. Then Channing pulled out a door from underneath the ring. They ended up fighting into the crowd, and Raver tossed Decker into the door, and it broke in half. Raver then took two cinder blocks from under the ring, 
put one on Decker, who was sitting in the corner, and ran at him with the other one in his hand and tossed it into the other cinder block, smashing both into pieces. Then there was a board with tacks on it on the mat. Decker put Raver on the top turnbuckle and tried to flip him off, but Raver headbutted Decker and hit him with a couple of knees, sudden chanting to the mat where he fell onto all the thumbtacks. I also saw a video of part of this match where there was actually pins put into, very long pins, should I say, put into the forehead of Decker. It was definitely quite the sight to see, and that ended up spiking uh, Decker to do his own version like a hawk up. I also saw that Decker had put Raver through some lighting tubes, which he picked up earlier in the afternoon on his way to the event. I saw that through a uh, Instagram video that he did with uh, Puff and Kevin Blackwood, who were driving him to Destiny Wrestling. Decker and Raver were on the top turnbuckle, and Decker powerbombed Raver through a makeshift table, and Decker pinned him for the win. There was a three-on-three elimination match featuring Pinky Sanchez, Zicky Dice, and Ace Austin taking on Fala Bra, Ryan Wright, and Lee Costa. Before the bell even rang, the Blackcraft wrestlers attacked the Destiny wrestlers. There was so much action between all six wrestlers that it was hard for James to keep up with it. The ref uh, couldn't even get control of this match. OVE finally came out and were chirping the Destiny crowd. Follow Bra did a roll on everyone else. He ended up taking out two of the Blackcraft uh, wrestlers, and then Lee and Ryan picked up Blackcraft guy and Follow Bra splashed him for the victory. Big Mike Elgin versus Chris Dickinson was next. It started off with some power collar and elbow tie-ups, with each showing their power moves. Chris then ran the ropes, but didn't knock down Mike. So Elgin then did the same thing and ran the ropes, but couldn't knock down Dickinson. Dickinson gave him the middle finger, and both guys were exchanging chops and kicks to the face. Elgin did uh, the Elgin bomb, and Dickinson kicked out. Dickinson then did a power driver, and got the win over Michael Elgin. After the match, they both got these guys' chance. They shook hands and hugged before they left the ring. Stone Rockwell took on Dick Justice. Justice ran the roads, but he got tired, and after the third run, he ended up giving up. Rockwell picked up Justice and slammed him to the mat. Stone then pulled out his blow dart and shot Justice in the eye. He pulled it out, and rolled up Justice for the win. The Blackcraft tag team titles were on the line as OVE defended against Kobe Durst and Aiden Prince. OVE was still in the crowd, and the ref pointed at them and said it was time for them to get into the ring. They were still in their street clothes, and as they got towards the ring, all the crowd started yelling goodbye to them, and it was fun to chant back and forth with them. Aiden Prince and Kobe Durst had their backs towards the audience at the entrance, and the OVE ended up coming up behind them and attacked them as they were being introduced. Dave Chris ended up hitting Kobe Durst with the ring bell, and Durst went off the top rope with a codebreaker to OVE. Then Prince got off the top rope and jumped on their back. 
Dave Chris ended up hitting the ref and knocking him out, but Aiden Prince hit a 450 splash and pinned OVE. Harry the ref came out and made the three count and presented new champs, but the other ref came out and reversed it and still announced OVE as the actual Blackcraft Tag Team Champions. Shotzi Blackheart took on Samantha Heights. Shotzi came out of the gate on fire, and Samantha threw Shotzi into the turnbuckles and put a foot to her face. Shotzi threw Samantha in the corner and did a rolling bomb. Shotzi then kicked and punched and gave Samantha an elbow. The Blackcraft Championship was on the line as Johnny Blackcraft took on PJ Black. They both started off with cheap roll-ups for a two-count each. There was just feeling out moment for each of them, and both were traded submissions and pinfalls. Johnny went for a starship pain, but missed. PJ then to put Johnny on the top rope and flipped him over, then did a backflip onto a pinning combination, but only scored a two-count. A fan threw a ton of Tim Horton's Timbit boxes at Johnny, he looked inside, and PJ super-kicked him. Johnny then laid out PJ and hit Starship Payne and rolled him up for the victory and retained the Black Craft Championship. The main event for the evening was the Destiny World title on the line as Josh Alexander defended against Simon Grimm. Josh came out, and everyone was throwing streamers at him. The match started off slow, and Grimm put Alexander in an arm submission. Josh just slapped his chest, and Simon threw Josh into the turnbuckle and gave him some elbow uppercuts. Alexander chopped Simon, then did his rolling fireman, then jumps onto the second turnbuckle and gave him a knee to the back of the head. Grimm then put another armbar on Alexander, but he didn't give up just yet. Simon had Josh then in a sleeper, and he started to fade. But Alexander came back and did his spinning tombstone to get the victory to retain the Destiny World Wrestling Championship. After the win, there was a masked man that jumped Simon as Josh just stood there and watched. After that, Josh went to the back, but Scott Demore, who was on commentary, jumped up and went into the ring and asked Josh to come back. Demore complimented Alexander and said he was the best unsigned wrestler he'd ever seen, then reached into his back pocket and pulled out a impact contract, saying that it was for three years and was presented to Josh Alexander, which made the crowd go crazy, and Josh was so happy, and he said yes. So Josh Alexander is now going to be part of Impact Wrestling. Once again, I'd like to thank James Weber for sending in the results from this Destiny and Blackcraft Wrestling event last weekend.
Then we ended up getting results from Bordertown Wrestling, as last weekend they presented Uprising, their one-year anniversary show. The following are the results that were sent to us. Corey Stone defeated Alec Realm. Locked and Loaded, Mark Wheeler and Jesse V defeated the Pillars of Sebastian Suave and Brent Banks. Jim Strider defeated Tyson Dukes in a student versus teacher match. Tyler Turva defeated Phil Atlas. Congo Kong defeated Jake Jones to retain the Bordertown Pro Wrestling Championship. John John Tavius defeated San Andreas and Solo Ali in a triple threat match. Gabriel Ferreza defeated Von Vertigo by disqualification. However, Vertigo retained the Adrenaline Division Championship. Tarek defeated Scotty O'Shea to retain the Niagara Region Championship and Ethan Page defeated Chris Chambers in the main event. Bordertown Pro Wrestling would like to thank everybody who came out to the show, and not to forget to buy tickets for their next show, Fight Night, which are available now, and that will happen on March 30th. And finally, results from last weekend, Eddie Osborne sent in PWA results from both Guelph and Kitchener. Results from the February 22nd event in Guelph saw Andrew Davis defeat Brandon Jacobs with Nicky Martin. John Atlas defeated Corey Christ. British giant Charlie Winston defeated Scumbag Yates. Beautiful Bia defeated Madison Miles to retain the Elite Women's Championship. Easy E. Beautiful Bia defeated Madison Miles to retain the Elite Women's Championship. Easy E pinned Addy Starr to steal a win in the four-way that also included Elian Habanero and Joey Allen to retain the Elite Championship. Super K and El Reverso defeated the Temple of Lenny Lilac and Jeff Black to become the new Tag Team Champions. They'll be awarded the titles on March 16th as the belts are currently in BC. And the main event saw Kobe Durst defeat PJ Black and Josh Alexander to become the new pure violent champion in an elimination match. Josh was eliminated first after a referee clothesline and PJ superkicked and Paul drove Durst, but Durst ended up defeating Black in the end. Then PWA was in Kitchener on February 23rd. The following are those results from that event. Alien Habanero defeated Corey Christ. Super K and El Reverso defeated Lance Malibu and Clay Wilson with Paul Wright and Nicky Martin to retain the Tag Team Championships. Jeff Black with Tex Lexus defeated British Giant Charlie Winston. Warhead defeated Lenny Lilac and Brandon Jacobs with Nicky Martin at ringside in a pure violence rules match. 
Madison Miles defeated Sabrina Kyle, and the main event saw Eazy-E retain the Elite Championship against Joey Allen after Joey was DQ'd by the referee for using the championship. I'd definitely like to thank Bordertown Wrestling, James Weber, and Eddie Osborne for sending in the results from these events that they attended or were a part of. If you happen to attend a local independent wrestling show here in Ontario, and I'm not at it, please feel free to send me a message either on our Facebook page or emailing scumbagsofwrestling at gmail.com, and I will give you full credit for your participation in presenting results from all around Ontario. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019 at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an A's theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of spice or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. This year, Independent Wrestling in Ontario event calendar for this weekend and next weekend. Tonight at 7.30, Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy presents Showcase Series number 3. Coming from Kitchener, Ontario. The main event will see the CBPW Blue Ribbon Championship match featuring Jimbo Jones taking on Pretty Ricky Wild. Then, tomorrow night, March 2nd, Barry Wrestling presents Some Next Level Hits at the Ferris Lane Community Church in Barry, Ontario. You'll see Kobe Durst take on Mark Wheeler. The Barry Wrestling Women's Championship is on the line as champion Jody Threat defends against Alexia Nicole. John Atlas came up short of becoming the new Barry Wrestling Heavyweight Champion at the last show, and a brawl with the Pillars has brought this to an unbelievable match. The talent of Brent Banks is known by all in the industry, but his win-at-all-costs attitude is the new and makes him very dangerous. This time, Brent Banks takes on John Atlas. The walking weapon has been dominant since coming to Barry Wrestling almost two years ago. Every match Josh Alexander is in is match of the night quality. This time, John Greed is back and he's ready for a fight. So Barry Wrestling's longest reigning champion has been one of the most dominant men in Barry for over four years. These two men collide tomorrow night. You'll also see a tag team elimination match featuring Fight or Flight, Jordan James, and Anton Alexev taking on Holden Albright, Jim Nye, 
Alec Realm, and Jim Strider. Plus, the Barry Wrestling Heavyweight Championship will be on the line as champion Tyson Dukes takes on Lionel Knight. This all happens with when Barry Wrestling presents some next-level hits tomorrow night in Barry. And on Sunday, March 3rd, Pro Wrestling Eclipse presents PWE March Mayhem. It's happening at the Royal Canadian Legion Branch number 43 in Oshawa, Ontario. On this night, you'll see Phil Atlas, also Tyler Turva, Daddy Davis, and Oshawa's own Leem Worldwide. Rob Rage will also make an appearance. The women won't be left out either, as Beautiful Bia and Jules Malone are making appearances. The tag team titles will be on the line as Death Squad take on the Heartbreakers. The main event will, of course, have Cody Deaner defending his championship against Cadman Turner. That's Sunday, March 3rd, as PWE presents March Mayhem in Oshawa, Ontario. On March 8th, you can catch Smash Wrestling and the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaming up to present Proving Ground at Fanshawe College. And then on March 9th, Smash Wrestling presents The Spirit Within, happening at the Taste of the Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario. And on March 10th, New School Wrestling presents Hammer at Home 2 in Hamilton, Ontario. See Matthew Grant challenge Anthony Kingdom James. Plus, Pretty Ricky Wild and BMD will also be making appearances. And also on Sunday, March 10th, Alpha One Wrestling presents Watch the Throne 6 in Hamilton, Ontario. The Zero Gravity title will be on the line as Champion Cheech defends against BMD and Cody Lane. There'll be a four-way elimination match featuring Scott Steiner, Chris Dickinson, Kobe Durst, and Josh Briggs for the Alpha Male title. In a singles match, Trey Miguel will face off against MJF. The NWA National Championship will be defended as champion Willie Mack takes on Josh Alexander. The Outer Limits title will be defended in a six-way elimination match as champion Justin Sane faces off against Ricky Shane Page, Mark Wheeler, Easy e Swoggle, and Danny Adams. That's Alpha One Wrestling. Watch The Throne 6, March 10th in Hamilton, Ontario. And this has been your Ontario Independent Wrestling Calendar for the next two weeks. Brought to you by Heatwave, the Hot Sauce Expo, happening tomorrow at Centennial Hall, right here in London, Ontario. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is joining AEW. London Comic Con can finally announced that the best boat machine is making his way to Southwest Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details.
It was definitely a busy week in the world of WWE with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and 205 Live. With the new additions of Sanjay Dutt, Shane Helms, Jeff Jarrett, Chris Parks, and Bruce Pritchard are a sign of things to come from this week's episodes. Maybe things are going to start turning around. There's no guarantee. They still have to hook the fans back that left all disgruntled over what's been going on lately. But if Buzz continues, they have a chance of doing it. Remember, the last time Vince McMahon had his back to the wall, he came out swinging and ended up beating WCW. AEW has yet to even produce a show, and Vince sees the writing on the wall with the rapidly declining ratings. And as been said, he's recently rehired Bruce Pritchard and hired a bunch of new agents uh, for backstage, including letting go of Arn Anderson. So there could be looking for a new direction and fresh ideas to redirect the ship. Let's get into what actually did happen this week. Raw started off with Roman Reigns coming to the ring. It was a very lengthy segment, mind you, but it didn't seem scripted at all. As Roman came down to a chorus of cheers and fans chanting, Welcome back. He went around ringside. David Arquette was even there. The Rock's mom, his wife, and child were there. And then he finally got into the ring and he just was really elated by the reaction they was receiving from the fans so roman went on to thank the fans for their tremendous support and even his belief in god and how it's helped him through these difficult months as he's fought cancer and done the treatments and it just was so building of the fans and him and all the emotion that was pouring out then he finally went hey you know we're here for an actual update and that's when he said that his cancer is in remission and the big dog is back recent uh, before then it was all about titles and as young talent do but he now is wanting to just focus on being there every day and doing the job and having fun being with the superstars and the fans so yeah it's still going to obviously be about the title but on a personal note for roman it's so much better for him to be alive obviously and being able to do this for himself and the fans and so that was how the first segment ended up opening and he left the ring and as he headed up the ramp he was actually met by seth rollins who they ended up hugging in the same fashion of how he ended up leaving. Of course, what was missing was Dean Ambrose, but with everything that's happened with Dean turning heel because of the whole thing with Roman, he obviously was not going to be coming out at that time. Speaking of Ambrose, he ended up interrupting Elias during his segment for no particular reason, and called out Drew McIntyre for a no-disqualification match. Of course, during that match, he got ganged up on by Elias, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin, and 
it took Reigns and Rollins to come to his rescue, and they didn't really do the Shield reunion or anything like that at that point. They just went up the ramp, they looked back at Dean, and there was that whole Shield sort of look between them. So, of course, we'll see what happens this Monday. The drama with the women's title continued as Ronda Rousey and Natalia teamed to go against the Riot Squad, and of course, Becky Lynch came out through the crowd with her crutch, attacked Natalia, and then Ronda came for the rescue, and the women had to be pulled apart, and Becky ended up being arrested. It was reminiscent of a Stone Cold Steve Austin arrest. As Triple H has said, if she does it again, she is going to be arrested and charged with trespassing because she is suspended. And so she got taken away, and then... Rhonda helped Natalia up and to the back, but came back to the ring, called out Vince McMahon, wanting to demand that the match become a triple threat and that he needs to reinstate Becky, but he didn't come out. Stephanie did instead. Of course, Stephanie did her, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm your boss. And... Instead, Rhonda ended up taking the title and laying at Stephanie's feet and walking away. Later on, we end up seeing Stephanie and Triple H with the women's title, trying to figure out what to do now. So, I don't know if that means that Rhonda has vacated the title, or what's going on, because also, as you'll hear on the SmackDown review, Charlotte's saying that she's going to come to Raw and be proclaimed the new Raw Women's Champion. Alistair Black and Ricochet ended up defeating the Revival, and so that's another loss by the Tag Team Champions, which is kind of odd because they wanted to leave. Instead, they are being held there because of their length of contract. They even got the Tag Team titles to be recognized as the Tag Team that they are and be champions only for them to lose now two weeks in a row, first DIY and now to Alistair and Ricochet. This might come to something. Hopefully, maybe the title is put on the line and the Revival actually do win, but we'll have to see what happens with the Revival going forward. Jinder Mahal was offended that he wasn't invited to Ric Flair's party and challenged anybody who was invited to Ric's 70th birthday party, so... Kurt Angle came out. He ended up defeating Jinder Mahal and also gave some angle slams and German suplexes to the Singh brothers. Finn Balor ended up beating Leo Rush after Leo interrupted the Moment of Bliss segment with Finn and Alexa. It's actually a really good match between Balor and Rush, and who knows where that one is going to go because Finn's going to need some competition to have that Intercontinental title for a while. There was a very odd segment with the Ascension insulting Otis from the Heavy Machinery, and he just bulldozed them, and that was the end of that segment. So we might get a Ascension versus Heavy Machinery match this Monday. And also the final match of the night was Bailey defeating Nia Jax, and that's setting up the fact that they're going to be actually going against each other at Fastlane in the tag team uh, match with Boston Hug Connection defending their newly won tag team titles against Nia Jackson Tamina. 
Bailey ended up picking up the victory after an elbow drop from the top rope. But the final segment was actually the Ric Flair birthday party. But of course, there was only like 13 minutes left in the show to go. So it was going to be interesting to see a 13-minute birthday party and how that would play out since there's no longer any overrun on Monday Night Raw. The ring was decorated with balloons, and the cake was there. Stephanie and Triple H came out. There was a specialized world title made for Ric Flair to have. They introduced Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Shawn Michaels, Sting, Kurt Angle came out. The rest of the baby faces were on stage, and as they were introducing Rick, he didn't end up coming out. But they cut to the back and saw a cameraman being dragged to a locker room by Batista, who went into the locker room that was Ric Flair's, and there was a little bit of commotion. Next thing you know, the door opened, and Batista was dragging Ric Flair by his collar through the hallway. He stopped, dropped Ric Flair, and looked at the camera, took off his sunglasses, and said, Do I have your attention now, Hunter? Which... For unknown reasons, nobody else went to the rush to the back except for Hunter, who went from the ring to the back locker room to find a fallen Ric Flair. And then other people attended, and that's where the show ended. So we're obviously going to get Dave Batista in a heel role taking on Triple H, who is going to have an interesting time trying to balance his role as authority, even though we're supposed to be authority, which, and have it not come off as a heel persona, taking on Dave Batista. So he's going to have to be sort of the Triple H of NXT, where everybody loves Triple H and his decisions and everything that he brings to it. And that's the rematch from, I think, 2005 ish against these two. But. It's a role that Dave Bautista and a match that Dave Bautista has said that he wants to have as his last match, potentially. SmackDown started off with a contract signing with Shane and Stephanie overseeing the WWE title match contract for Dana Bryan defending against Kofi Kingston. And before that could be signed, Vince McMahon ended up interrupting and said, Hey, you know, Kofi, you're not box office enough for this match and replaced him with Kevin Owens. So the second time that Vince McMahon has taken it upon himself to remove a fan favorite from a title match. And yes, it kind of looks like the whole Becky Lynch uh, thing all over again, but I'm sure somewhere, somehow, Kofi's going to get the title match, probably at WrestleMania. This could even end up in a storyline where Unfortunately, again, it's the McMahons being centric, but it could have Shane, Stephanie, and Triple H almost against Vince because he seems to be always changing their plans. And who knows? It could also lead to, if it is a mixture of that, where Vince does get unseated from his chairman position, and then he goes off and does his thing with the XFL which he said he's going to be more hands-on than WWE when it's ready to launch next season. Both Woods and Big E were defending Kofi's 
right to have this title match because Kofi's worked so hard for it. Big E even pointed out that Kofi's worked 11 years for Vince's family and all this for what? And Owens ended up going into the ring. He signed the contract and we now have Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship at Fastlane. It also led uh, Kevin Owens to suggest a tag team match of him and Kofi taking on Dana Bryan and Eric Rowan in the main event. R-Truth returned to WDTV and reintroduced the U.S. title open challenge. And as Andrade was about to answer the challenge, out came Rey Mysterio and stopped him. And they both got into the ring and somehow it ended up turning into a triple threat match with R-Truth wondering what would John Cena do in this case instead of defending against only one of them. So it was a triple threat with Andrade, Ray, and R-Truth for the U.S. title. And somehow, R-Truth ended up getting the victory over Rey Mysterio. Of course, this saved Andrade from taking the hit and could eventually see Andrade against R-Truth and maybe even take the title from R-Truth and set up a U.S. title match at WrestleMania between Andrade and Rey Mysterio. It was originally scheduled to be Johnny Gargano taking on Cesaro with Ciampa and Sheamus at ringside for their respective tag team partners, but that didn't end up happening, and instead we ended up getting a return of the Hardy Boys, and they took on the bar and beat them. There was another tag team match with Ricochet and Aleister Black, so they're trying to establish them as a tag team now, and they ended up beating up on Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Charlotte came out to the ring and called uh, Becky Lynch a criminal and Ronda Rousey a quitter, and said that she's no longer going to be on SmackDown, as she's going to go over to Raw and be crowned the Raw Women's Champion on Monday. This, of course, got a lot of heat for Charlotte, and that's kind of needed since, at the same time, Ronda and Becky are still being presented as babyfaces, so if this is going to be a triple threat match at WrestleMania with all three women, they do need a heel in there, and what better heel than a flair, and in this case, Charlotte Flair. There was a backstage interview with AJ Styles, and he was questioned on his recent performances including losing to Dana Bryan and he says that he needs to look forward to the next step and refire up his engines and you know start showing more aggression and he's looking to do that and of course he was interrupted by Randy Orton who kind of questioned the house the who built and that was about it that happened and he walked away which gave AJ Styles some food for thought, I guess. And we're probably going to see AJ against Randy, most likely at WrestleMania. And the main event saw the tag team match of Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens defeat Dana Bryan and Eric Rowan when Dana Bryan took another loss as the champion to, this time, his newest challenger Kevin Owens and at the end of the show Owens and Kingston were having their hands raised and that was how things ended so another really good show from both Raw and Smackdown 
that momentum continues and we get better television or more exciting television going forward to WrestleMania and hopefully beyond. 205 Live is centered around a tournament right now to determine who will challenge Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania, most likely on the pre-show, but either way, it's going to happen that uh, night on April 7th, and currently Tony Nese and Drew Gulak have advanced to the next round and will face off against each other. The other side of the brackets will happen next week. And over on NXT, they re-established DIY as a tag team again with Ciampa telling Gargano he's not going to be successful without him. They've agreed to team together to enter the Dusty Classic and go to WrestleMania weekend to win the tag team titles from War Raiders. So a pretty decent week of TV, and we'll see what comes our way next week. Since that's the go-home shows for WD Fastlane, I'll be back with predictions on next week's episode for Fastlane. talking about Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea part two the second wave is getting ready to go along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime I want to tell you right now the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today all elite wrestling will be there that's right some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world some of the funniest comedians on the planet paranormal experiences well you'll be wondering is this really happening well the answer is yes it is really happening, and so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Part 2, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all-elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea so we can all sail away, man! We'll see you there. Oh, yeah! It's a path to the This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Okay, now let's finish off this episode with some news from around the wrestling world. Last week, Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com reported that Bruce Pritchard was returning to WWE to be in a prominent role next to Vince McMahon. This is Bruce's third time through WWE as he was there from 87 to 91, returned in 92 until 2008, and then spent a couple years with TNA. Last year, during the 25th anniversary of Raw, he showed up as Brother Love and got one of the biggest reactions of the night, even though he was only in a backstage segment. It's also been reported, though, that the stuff that he's doing with Conrad Thompson, including his Something to Wrestle With podcast and their outside appearances, including Australia, are still going to happen as originally scheduled. After those scheduled appearances, we'll see where things go from there. It was also reported by Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheets that Dana Warrior was hired by WWE to give some insight over the women's division. She's going to serve as a consultant for the writing staff, which then eventually she could be added to the team, depending on the insight that she ends up giving them. They both joined the recent hires on the creative side, such as Sanjay Dutt, Chris Parks, 
Jeff Jarrett, and Shane Helms. News from Jerry Lawler was that Vince McMahon's first employee that he ever hired for WWF, Howard Finkel, is not doing so well as he recently suffered a stroke and is having a difficult time recovering. So that's probably why we didn't see him for a while. It may have been as long as back at last year's WrestleMania, and that's why he didn't make his appearance on a yearly basis. I'd like to wish Howard success in his recovery. Impact Wrestling has been working hard to sign some talent. As mentioned earlier, they signed Josh Alexander, but this week they also got back Madison Rain from Ring of Honor, Simon Callahan has extended his contract, and so has Rosemary. Ty Dillinger has announced that he's going back to his original independent wrestling name of Sean Spears and will be accepting bookings after May 31st. With the return announcement this week of Roman Reigns to action and what happened during Raw, it's expected that at Fastlane in Cleveland next week that we'll see the reunion of The Shield as both Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are currently advertised a team against Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin. The only missing piece of that puzzle is Dean Ambrose, who they saved the other day and will probably be full-out shield on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. It was also noted that Dean Ambrose was scheduled for appearance on the UK shows in May, even though his contract ends in April. But when that was noted by another wrestling site, WWE quickly saw the error and took it down. Now, this could be an indication that it was a mistake and put up, or they mistakenly gave away the fact that Dean Ambrose is actually staying. Some fan asked Roman Reigns about the fact that Dean was leaving during an autograph signing recently, and he said that he would take care of that. Whether that means that they talked and found a way of getting him to stay, or it was a ruse the whole time with Ambrose leaving, we'll only find out if they ever tell us, but we'll also find out if Dean Ambrose stays beyond April 30th. Things got really heated this week between Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, over on Twitter, with a lot of back-and-forth banter. Becky's been known lately for her witty comments and just trash talk that she ends up doing. And Rhonda, well, not so much. And I guess things got a little too carried away the other day, and Deputy isn't overly fond of the language that was used, including some F-bombs and shit, and even Rhonda breaking the reality wall and calling Becky out as Rebecca Quinn saying that the next time she's going to yeah, see her, she's going to kick the shit out of her. Rhonda called Becky out for fake prison photos in the hallway, which has been just made into a t-shirt for Becky Lynch. And then even called the fact that her arm bar looks fake and that it almost is representing the dick that the man wishes she had. And so with that, Becky ended up photoshopping Travis Brown's face, which is Ronda Rousey's husband's face, on the end of the arm and said, oh, that looks about right. So whether these two ladies are just playing everybody or it's getting really personal, 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now and WrestleMania because it's supposed to turn into a triple threat match. Now, if these two are, are going to get on a very personal level and maybe even unprofessional level, WrestleMania could be interesting with those two and Charlotte in the same ring. As seen this week, or, well, not really seen this week, Tommaso Ciampa was off TV due to him dealing with some neck issues. And it's an interesting situation that WWE finds himself in because on NXT, they're still continuing with the Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa not liking each other, not trusting each other angle. And yet they're tagging partners again on Raw and SmackDown. So how this works out, who knows? But there was expected that Ciampa was going to take care of his neck issues after WrestleMania. Now that he's on such a prominent stage right now between all three shows, they have to figure out how this is going to work out and still have him prominently at NXT TakeOver during WrestleMania weekend. The injury ended up costing a match that was supposed to happen on Raw where it was supposed to be a four-way match with the Revival watching everything going on, but that changed into the Revival against Aleister Black and Ricochet. The team of Black and Ricochet could end up being the ones that replace DIY, and maybe this Monday they do that four-way match with Revival at ringside to determine who's going to face the Revival at Fastlane. Apparently, Vince McMahon came up with the idea of switching the WWE title match at WrestleMania and at Fastlane this week, and that's why the decision was made. So instead of Owens going against Dana Bryan at WrestleMania, as rumored, it's going to be at, happening at Fastlane, and Kofi Kingston, who has gotten an amazing sort of resurgence in his career since Mustafa Ali had his concussion and need to be replaced for Elimination Chamber, is actually going to get the title match at WrestleMania against Dana Bryan. It's also been reported that Dana Bryan, once again, does not want to go over to Saudi Arabia. He didn't do it the last time. And so the only way this might end up working out is that Kofi Kingston does, in fact, win the title at WrestleMania and defends it against somebody at Saudi Arabia show in May. The latest edition of Road to Double or Nothing, All Elite Wrestling announced that B. Priestley, a UK star, will be joining AEW. Her debut actually won't be in May for Double or Nothing. It will be held off until July for Fight for the Fallen, the event that's supposed to happen in Jacksonville, Florida. That still doesn't have a date, but it's also supposed to be a charity event involving money going towards, I guess, stopping people having firearms and just being safe. It was pretty much the only news out of AEW this week. This week, WD saw a few other returns other than Roman Reigns, who said that his cancer is in remission. WD also saw the return of Batista, who ruined the Ric Flair 70th birthday party. And it was the return of the Hardy Boys, who, I guess, replaced DIY in the scheduled match that was supposed to happen on SmackDown. Matt looks to have dropped some weight, 
and Jeff was still on SmackDown anyway, so Matt ended up switching brands to reunite with his brother. They could end up in a prominent match at WrestleMania for the SmackDown tag team titles, which ideally could be a multi-man tag team match, maybe even involving a ladder like two years ago when the Hardys returned. And finally, to wrap things up, CBS Sports reported that the Honky Talk Man, Wayne Ferris, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame on Saturday, April 6th. Joining D-Generation X, and what John Pollock pointed out as an interesting concept, that the Rockabilly, who was managed by Honky Tonk Man at one point, is also going in at the same time, along with the real Jesse James. Of course, Road Dog and Billy are not going in as Rockabilly and Jesse James. They're going in as the New Age Outlaws, part of D-Generation X. But to imagine those three at that time, as Pollock said, interesting concept that you would never see happening in 1997 when they were pulling off that shtick. Honky Talk Man originally came to WD in about 1986 and was pushed as a babyface, even though he had his Elvis impersonator gimmick. But unfortunately, that flopped, and he was then put with Jimmy Hart, and actually that pairing worked really well and made Honky a noted heel. His biggest time came actually in June of 87, where he ended up unexpectedly winning the Intercontinental title from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on an edition of Superstars and ended up holding the title for 14 months. Of course, that wasn't supposed to happen as WD had built up a lot of storyline to get the title off of Randy Savage and onto Steamboat, but then there were some family issues that Steamboat needed to leave for, and the title was actually supposed to go to the natural Butch Reed, who was having some difficulty himself with agreeing to show up for WD television, and since he didn't show up that day, the next in line was Wayne Ferris, who then took the title from Ricky Steamboat and as I said, held on to it for 14 months until dropping it to the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam 88. After that, he ended up teaming up with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and they even had Valentine dye his hair black to represent another version of Elvis, and they did the Rhythm, rhythm and Blues gimmick for a while, but he ended up leaving the company in 91. After that, he bounced around and did some appearances for WCW thanks to his friendship with Hulk Hogan. But if you ask Eric Bischoff, he had zero talent or wanting anything to do with Honky Tonk Man in WCW. It was more of a favor to Hogan. And then Honky returned in 97 to WWE, did the whole Rockabilly thing with Billy Gunn. That flopped. And he returned at 2001 Royal Rumble. And he even inducted Coco Beware into the Hall of Fame in 2009 and made an old-school Raw appearance in 2013. But he was supposed to go into the Hall of Fame in 2010, but a conflict in schedule and the amount of money he was going to make in comparison to a wrestling convention compared to the Hall of Fame, he chose the convention over the Hall of Fame and even was in a shoot interview calling the Hall of Fame a BS. 
But I guess obviously money and time changed things and hockey is going to take his place in the WWE Hall of Fame on April 6th. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest? You're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. Yo, this is Tarek, you're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Join me next week as I present more results from the Ontario wrestling scene and predictions for WWE Fastlane. We'll see what other news comes out leading up to Fastlane, and if anything more gets set up for WrestleMania. Be sure to also check out our Facebook page daily for our Superstar of the Day, celebrating everybody's birthday, and take part in the March Madness Ontario Indie Wrestling Tournament that's going on from now until March 31st. The top 32 Superstars in Ontario are going to battle out with your votes daily to determine the best in Ontario. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other wrestling fans and encourage them to subscribe, whether you listen on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or Google, or any other platform that they get their podcasts from. We're everywhere on the internet, and they should be listening to us just like you are. So until next week, have a great week, and we'll see you again. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. <laughs>